Welcome back to chapter 142. It's hard for me to imagine that I'm saying that. Chapter 142 of the Rule of the Galaxy podcast. And while my regular co-hosts, some will be hopping on later, some won't be, uh, we've got two great special guests today. And I'll just throw out their quick bios. We've got Mr. Stephen Kent, um, who I found out about from the podcast Beltway Banthas but who is the author of How the Force Can Fix the World. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that book cover in Scott Rifen's little area there. Endorsed by Radio Maven, Scott Rifen. Yes. (laughs) And since we brought the man up, Scott Rifen, you know, iHeartMedia, he's all over the place. The most listened to man in South Georgia radio. And the... um, he ran the podcast, My Star Wars Story, which is the way I found out about Mr. Scott Rifen. So, gentlemen, we're here. It's the podcast that you've been waiting for, and um, we're going to talk a little Star Wars tonight. Uh, I'll start with you, Stephen. How are you? I'm good, but Scott looks confused. Well, I just, he referred to my Star Wars story in the past tense, and so now it got me thinking, I guess I got to get on the stick. It has been a while, Scott. <laughs> Bel- Bel- Beltway Banthas is past tense. That, uh, that, show, that show's gone dormant. I, uh, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next uh, for, mm, I, for Star Wars podcasting. I'm kind I, of in between well, in between projects. Do an episode been, of my yeah. Star Wars story with me, and then you can figure it out. I would love to give you that. You know, I would love that. I forgot the yeah. original question, though, but, you know, doing great. <laughs> the force is strong. It's uh, well, it's been just such an exciting few weeks. Star Wars in my veins. It, it has been great. And, and we you know, this is your second time with us. So thank you again. And, and we loved talking about your book the first time you were on. Mm. But tonight we can talk a little about your book, but we can also you know tell us how it's going, the sales, all that kind of stuff, because I really enjoyed it. Scott looks like he enjoyed it. But uh, also, we're just going to talk a little bit of everything related to all the things going on in Star Wars. I mean, we just had Celebration. We, we now have Kenobi. There's tons to talk about. So looking forward to having you here. Mr. Rifen, how are you doing? I am incredible. I'm always incredible. What are you talking about? Uh, just fantastic. And you know, most listened to man on South Georgia radio. I expanded my horizons week before last, hosted in Savannah for the morning for a, for a little bit. So, you know, the empire's growing. I've been to Savannah. It's a nice, nice little town. <laughs> it's a wonderful little town. It's, you know, <laughs> bigger than my town so it was nice good good um well brent was going to be here tonight brent we miss you we'll have you back next week um he was going to talk about indie popcon because indie popcon was just this week this Mm. last weekend in indianapolis and uh he went he actually attended and he was telling people how to play star wars legion but i'll save all that for next week when uh when he comes back and and is part of the show and next week we will have miss jessica the duchess of dark saber light will be hosting and the first Okairo from um, uh, just Twitter and YouTube 
will be our main special guest next week with her hosting the show. So we're looking forward to that one. I guess I will just kind of do it this way because I have, as you saw before we started, my handy dandy notebook with all kinds of topics. Is there a topic, Scott or Stephen, mm -hmm. that from Celebration or from Kenobi or anything else Star Wars related that you guys want to start that's really hit you and you want to start with? Is there anything that's standing out? Oh, well, Scott and I really hate talking about politics and uh, <laughs> and uh, how, you know, socioeconomic divides happen when it comes to pop culture, which is definitely not in the discourse right now around wow. Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, not at all. Not at all. Mm -mm. Uh, but uh, I will just go ahead and just go to the fun subjects uh, and or that that teaser trailer that they dropped at Celebration. Uh, really, really just hit me right where I love my Star Wars. So, you know, between episodes three and four is, yep. is rapidly becoming my favorite period. Uh, it is fresh autocracy right out of the oven. The entire <laughs> galaxy is still getting used to what the empire is like, what their capabilities are, how far they're willing to go. And you're seeing the, the budding, you know, obviously seeds of rebellion. Uh, so I've just, I love Star Wars Rebels. Obi-Wan Kenobi is in this mm -hmm. period. Uh, and then we're going to, of course, you know, we had Rogue One and now Andor. So the making of a radical, that's what I'm all about. I, I love that kind of story. Uh, so just the idea that we're going to see Mon Mothma still in the Senate, still operating as a imperial senator and thinking, mm -hmm. you know, maybe the system can still work. Maybe good things can still happen. And then eventually she's going to realize this is absurd and she must, you know, defect. I'm here for that. So I, I'm probably excited most about Andor over anything on the slate. And, and I will say, from looking at it, it uh, looks like it's going to start in August of this year, from what I wow. was reading. That's and like tomorrow. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll press fast forward, and it'll be August. Um, yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm hit, hearing... Hit 50, Stephen. It'll really be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing that the first season is going to be 12 episodes, kind of the, the growing up stage of Andor, getting to where he's not a rebel yet. He's not a conspirator. He is just what's growing him into that role in the first season but I, i'm am i hearing this right scott are we seeing kind of a dual show with a lot of mon mothma and her growth into that role and a lot of andor growing into that role at the same time that certainly seems to be the way they're they're framing it anyway but i think as we all know from the kenobi trailers they can frame things one way and mm -hmm. they don't turn out that way in fact sometimes that's a little bit of as the magicians say misdirection 100%. I've found that uh, there's been a lot of misdirection in all Star Wars, but you know, uh, the, the funny meme before Kenobi was, gosh, wasn't the book of Boba Fett supposed to be all about Boba Fett? And yeah. people were like, don't say that before we go into Kenobi. And now people are saying, I thought Kenobi was going to be all about Kenobi. And we're seeing a lot of other storylines wrapped into this as well. I, it's a big, it's a big galaxy. I think these, these series are at this point, they are telling us time and place mm -hmm. more than they're telling us character focus, because there are just so many gosh darn characters uh, crossing paths at any given time in the galaxy. I, I just, at this point, we need to embrace the idea that like an Andor show is giving us a basic premise around which this story will evolve, but there are going to be a bunch of intersecting threads. And so we're going to see 
to understand how he falls in league with Mon Mothma and becomes mm-hmm. her go-to guy for wet work, uh, which is essentially what he is in, in Rogue One. Um, you know, he does the, the hits. Uh, we first have to see how Mon Mothma becomes the person who gives him the dirty work to do. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna gonna focus on a lot of things. Um, I, I think I'm just always excited to see like different cultures throughout the galaxy and how they're affected by the Empire. Because particularly Andor's family, the only thing that we know about them is that they were separatists. So they were always opposed to the Republic. So the Empire is really wow. no different. It's just a continuation. Um, so it probably won't take much to radicalize this guy. Uh, I'm just curious what pushes him to, to really be involved. And let me, let me jump off on something Stephen is talking about with the regards to, you know, all of these other characters and all these other storylines are throwing in, uh, you're doing TV, which yep. is bigger. I mean, Kenobi, even though today's episode was short, uh, it's it was, still, yeah. yeah, it's still hours and hours and hours of TV. If you're, if you just want to focus on Kenobi and one or two other characters then make a movie. But they're not there. And I honestly, I don't know if you've noticed this over the years. Surely you have. But the the public taste for larger, more complex, more dense stories has grown over over years and years and years. I mean, if you go back and look at Star Trek, great example, the original Star Trek series, every episode just about is a one and done. And the next week, there is almost no reference to what happened the week before. They could show them in just about any order and it doesn't matter. Uh, and then you come up into this century and all of a sudden you've got 24 where you've got to watch every single episode in sequence or else. And, uh, you know, we just have a taste for bigger, sprawling, more interwoven tapestries, which I think is great. I mean, that's the kind of storytelling I've always liked. It's, it's one of the reasons I was such a fan of the EU between us. And I've said this before, 80% of the EU books were crap, but I loved that giant tapestry. And, and I think there's a, another reason to introduce these other characters is that old saw of we know how our main character is going to try. We know where Obi-Wan's going to end up mm-hmm. by the time yeah. it's all said and done. But what about all these other guys? And and where did they go by the time we get to see Obi-Wan again? Uh, what happened there? So, I, I mean, there are reasons for all of that. And there are good storytelling reasons for all of it. So I, I, I like it. I like big stories. I like that Star Wars has chosen as its kind of main venue to not give me two hours every you know, two, two hours every year or two, but instead give me six hours every six months. Right. And, and I think, you know, if I'm not mistaken, um, Bad Batch, which I didn't particularly love the first time I watched it, but the second time through, I, I grew to think, okay, this, this is a better story than what I thought it was, you know, going to be. But the main complaint for Bad Batch, if I'm not mistaken, was, well, gosh, these are the weekly adventure. And then it's, on to the next weekly adventure and it's on to the next and here we have kenobi which i have a feeling we're going to do the same thing with andor to go back to steven's lead in on this and it's going to be that tapestry like you mentioned it's going to be woven over six twelve whatever episodes and and i think it's going to be a richer story because of that people should enjoy it more and that's it's just one of the reasons that i have very little patience for kind of fandom outrage at the outset of a show it's we haven't seen where this goes yet like we yeah. don't we yeah. don't know i mean i i'll tell you and this this kind of goes again to the, the the criticism side of things i spend sometimes in fandom facebook groups and there's just the, all this hand-wringing and talk about you know obi-wan's weakness and like why'd they make him a wimp and i was just like guys it, we got to get to the part where he rediscovers his strength to become the person we know that he's going to be. He's, he, mm-hmm. he's got to have an arc. 
yeah, like, what do you, what did you, what did you think this was going to be? And it's, I just love that we have time to let things breathe. Um, I will say like, and my, my 11 year old called me out on this today. Cause I was, I finished episode four of Obi-Wan and I was like, you know, I just, I think it's time to go back to Tatooine now. Like I, this, this little, this, this little field trip has been good, uh, but it's starting to feel prolonged. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was expecting a little bit more soul searching in solitude. And she was like, well, what did, did you think it was going to be like one episode? He meditates one episode. He writes a song one episode. He like, you know, breaks out eggs. of the cave and, and goes to do open mic and in, in Moss Eisley. <laughs> like, I was like, Oh, okay. You just burned me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like there was always going to be, a quest so well and that's that's part of that bait and switch they did we were talking about earlier where they set it up as hey he's watching luke and it's going to be about his watching luke and instead they decided we've got to open this up in movie talk you know what that means it means more than just one setting Mm -hmm. and uh there's only one thing that makes sense for that to happen and that is something has to happen to leia so you bring the only other the only yeah. other valuable piece that he would walk away from it's Luke was only reason he would leave Tatooine at this point. And so, right. and I think they did that well now, look, and you know, fandom rage and all that. I don't tend to rage. I tend to, uh, observe. Um, I'm not a fan of the premise of Vader and Obi-Wan going at it. I wasn't yeah. a premise, a fan of that premise mm-hmm. last week. I'm not, a, I'm not, a pre- but at the same time, what I've decided is I'm going to go on the journey they're taking me on. And when it's over, I'll decide if it was worth it. Because if yeah. they can show me something different, if they can show me something interesting, if they can show me something revelatory and make it feel right, then I'm going to go with it. Although, again, I object from the outset. Yeah, I, I object from the outset as well. It's again, it's just one of those things that it, it doesn't quite make sense. And you've really got to make the payoff worth it. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I just, I believe, I believe that the people who make Star Wars love these stories like Mm -hmm. i i just i've never bought into this youtube headline criticism that you know the makers of the stories hate these people and hate these heroes and hate these films and want to undermine them i just don't believe that uh and i believe that all of these people they view the the clash of obi-wan and vader in episode four is as something of a sacred conflict and that they would want to make sure that this is done right. So I'm going to wait till episode six of Obi-Wan yep. to see if they kind of tie this thing up in a way that I could have never foreseen. And then I'll judge. There we go. <laughs> exactly. I'll cross my fingers for that as well. While we were going down that path, Mr. D-Doc joined us. D-Doc, how you doing, brother? D-Doc. I'm doing good. Uh, I actually just finished the episode like 10 minutes ago. So <laughs> I'm fresh. I'm fresh. Very off. fresh. Yeah. Yeah, Super the kids fresh. had, I had uh, t-ball practice and all that fun stuff. And then I finally got home. I didn't wake up early enough to watch it. So I stayed off Twitter today. I don't know what anybody's reaction is <laughs> to this episode. Just is is the world stay. burning on Twitter right now? That's a good question. I haven't looked either. Well, it was. I think it was burning from the beginning of Kenobi. Just, I mean, we well, can jump down that rabbit hole if we want to but it was if, burning if, from the beginning if it's disney Kenobi. star wars it's going to burn from the beginning at this point <laughs> i mean that's just de on twitter you mean yeah. correct oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah because yeah. i'll crazy. say um you know like obviously i know you guys are rolling i'm in here late i apologize but 
to not be on Twitter today and not read anything and to be able to just watch this episode and still mm -hmm. not read anybody else's reaction, it's kind of a refreshing feeling. <laughs> yeah. I'm just coming fresh into the podcast after watching it. I have my own opinion. I haven't read any hot takes yet. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the most the most kind of scathing stuff that I've seen is just like people getting really whipped up about uh, uh choices by characters that don't make sense right so it's uh the last episode when obi-wan goes to the laser checkpoint and you know like in reviewers on youtube are spending 15 minutes you know screaming about like why didn't he just go around the lasers why did it's, you know what it's like it's a guys, fair point but yeah but but why didn't why general grievous why didn't general grievous have his droids open fire on Obi-Wan Kenobi when he dropped into the middle of his base in episode three, because sure. that would end the movie. And it's just, yeah. you know, characters just do dumb things. Why did they walk right into the ray shields in episode three and then go ray shields? We're smarter than this <laughs> because just they're not perfect. <laughs> so I just, I always ignore that kind of stuff, but then you get to, you know, like episode four of Obi-Wan and, and he's got Leia underneath the trench oh, coat I bet, yeah, and that one. he's walking through the hangar with four they, legs. And I'm like, they, what? Come on. They, they might as well have put her on his shoulders and yeah. have him in the trench yeah. coat like that. No, peeking this out. is just a new mistake. Put her in a crate. Right. And then like push a crate to yeah. get onto a ship, like in the trench coat. Come on. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Now, we, so we asked Stephen what he, a Star Wars topic he was excited about or interested in or whatever. Scott, I'm going to go to you next. Whether mm. it's Celebration and all the announcements or whether it's just, let's go more into Kenobi. What's something that's standing out to you right now where you're like, hey, this is what I'm either looking forward to or wow, I'm kind of nervous about this. Um, you know, you know what I've spent a lot of my time doing lately is I've been catching up on the Marvel comics finally. Oh, uh, really? And, and I'm an old school Marvel Star Wars fan. I'm an old school Marvel Star Wars guy uh, in a way that probably sickens a lot of people. Um, you know, I've, I've got multiple sets of the original series. Uh, I'm actually... I love them. I'm actually buying a beater set right now to put in my spinner rack so I can have a spinner rack that is nothing but old Marvel Star Wars, it, you know, unbagged and all that other stuff. Um, but so I've been catching up on the And what I will say of the books is they're probably the best written as a whole that they've ever been. Uh, not not counting the old school, but ever since the, the Reva, mm -hmm. ever since the return to Marvel uh, as a whole, I think you know, every book kind of shines in its own way right now. Uh, I'm just about a third of the way through the war of the bounty hunter storyline. Um, it involves, it, it's a big crossover event, which they've never really done anything on that scale with the books. Every book seems to be able to interact with the big event and yet retain its own identity, which is not always the case with these types of events. A lot of times, in fact, what frustrates a lot of writers is they wind up having to conform to somebody else's plot points and somebody else's storylines. But every, everybody has been able to kind of keep their books, their books. The, the most fascinating thing to me and exciting thing to me is Vader books. When they do a Vader series, and it's not just I'm a big Vader fan, but it's that there seems to be a built-in limit because on the one hand, the bad guy can't win all the time. On the other hand, if Vader loses consistently, then you've diminished him as a villain. You've diminished him as a threat. Uh, you've rendered him ineffective, uh, but somehow, and I think this is the third volume of Vader they're on, 
some, or at least the second volume of the third major creative team, somehow they continue to find ways to make the series interesting and to put him kind of on the brink, but never actually dealing the big L to him. Uh, you know, they keep him vital. They keep him dangerous and, and they're able to sustain the series of a bad, bad villain during a very dark period. Uh, I, I've got to give them all a lot of credit for the work that they're doing right now. So he's no longer a Disney princess then. No. And you know, that was a big beef of mine when they first, when they first bought right. him, you know, they're doing, Oh, it's the Disney Christmas parade and Vader's too, you know, he, he can't get on the ride and he's <laughs> on the carousel and his, you know, his, his, his ear, what is the Mickey bar melts and falls off and he gets mad. And it's like, and, and I kept telling people because they, everybody said, well, it, when they made the bio, they said, oh, is Leia the new Disney princess? No, Vader's the new Disney princess. Watch him. Uh, you know, then I, and people are telling me you're full of baloney and I'm going, no, I go to the store and they're Valentine's and it's little cartoon Vader's. And I don't want mm -hmm. little cartoon Vader's. I want Vader that will choke you. I want, I want the Vader that, that walked through the village in episode three of Obi-Wan. Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a dangerous guy. That's a scary guy. That's, that's Vader, not the little cartoony cutesy, uh, you know, going to play with the kids. Jeffrey you know, Brown Scott, Vader. that, that whole <laughs> sequence, uh, kind of going back to episode three there. Mm -hmm. I loved the Michael Myers-esque nature of how Vader like <laughs> kind of always catches up. You know, it, it's, it was yeah. very much Chasing. like that. And I, you know, you know, it's like, you know, you, you run away from the, the guy and then just they walk and they manage to catch up and still surprise you at the next corner and yes. still emerging from the darkness. I mean, quite literally like going down the Halloween road where, you know, they call Michael Myers the shape. Um, you know, yeah. that's kind of like the same deal. Like Darth Vader is like the shape in the shadows and he just always caught up. It was very cool. Yeah. Uh, since Rogue One, they have been restoring the terror of Darth Vader. Yeah. It's beautiful. And the, and the yeah. thing they've nailed this time around is the voice. Oh my goodness. They're using, I guess the respeecher yeah. thing. Yeah. They got um, it better this time. Rogue One was oh. weird. Wasn't it? Yeah. Cause yeah. he just, he just didn't sound like he had his breath. He's, you know, yeah. he's 90. Yeah. And that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. But using the re-speecher has really restored that because the voice is a big part of Vader. It's just a big part of Vader. And if it's not James Earl Jones and he doesn't sound right, uh, it, it it's a little diminished. So saith the radio host man. So Correct. The voice, the, the right. voice matters. Hey, D-Doc. <laughs> so we, the question was thrown out to both of them. I'll go to you now. I'm leaving all those things, what's standing out to you? What's What's preeminent right in front of you that you think wow this is what i want to talk about when it comes to star wars right now um other than kenobi oh no it can be Kenobi. We, this is an open yeah. forum tonight we we can we can actually focus in on the first four episodes or we can go into whatever topic you want it's it's open i mean i like i, I gotta say i think the aesthetic of the andor trailer looked amazing i think the production looks amazing on that um it's mm -hmm. funny because like I'm right now I'm five episodes in on Stranger Things and I am watching Kenobi right now and I can't help but to think I'm just like why does it look like they put more money into production of Stranger Things than the Obi-Wan Kenobi show sometimes like mm -hmm. that's like a random it's just a random thought I wanted to bring up if we're I had a similar I had a similar thought mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I had a similar thought watching filmed, Stranger Things they filmed Stranger Things before kenobi didn't they wasn't it before and then it took a while for them to get the post-production done yeah uh, that's what i thought it was it was done was it done before covid or was it done during covid time frame 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't know, but uh, you know, I get that feeling. It's sort of this weird tension that I'm, I'm always feeling, which is that I like simplicity. Um, I like trying to keep things simple and, you know, even just like the sets of, you know, Obi-Wan just kind of sitting in his cave and, you know, going out to wherever he's carving up that giant sand whale. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's, it's all very practical. It's all Mm -hmm. very practical. Um, and it does appear a little bit on like the cheap side. Um, but then there are just some settings, particularly when they go to that city planet to, to get Leia from the first uh, smuggling ring um, where, I don't know, you just look around and you're like, yeah, I think Stranger Things is actually putting a little bit more, more money into the upside down than they are this. But that's that's certainly a minor, very minor complaint and not something that bothers yeah. me. Do you think, I know, I know uh, Giancarlo Esposito, when he found out he was going to be in Mandalorian, Favreau said, well, the money's really going into the show and not the characters, right? We're not uh-huh. paying you guys, we're paying you guys scale because we're throwing the money at the show and the effects and everything else. Do you think with having a Ewan McGregor and some of these other larger names in this, that maybe some of the money is going to the characters on this? And mm, what larger names not? besides Ewan? There's, there I mean, are, no. all these people are in Game of Thrones. All these people are in, I mean, are they now more pricey than, than what they want to spend on effects or, or background I, or anything like that? I, I think you've got a situation where people want to be in a Star Wars. People want to say on their resume they were in a Star War. And so they don't mind working for a little less. And, and you know, I, I think what they did to appease McGregor is he's he's got an EP credit. So he's he's getting a yes, different piece of the show. So, I, you know, I think that's probably what they did to kind of make things a little more financially viable for him on this situation. And just you know, give you an, an, another end, you know, another payment end on the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree though. It, it does look a little cheaper. The, the Inquisitor costumes in the very first episode, I went, wow, that kind of kind of looks Halloween costume. I'm a little could we um <laughs> could we actually talk about like the Inquisitors just in general? So because yeah, this ahead. is this is one of the things that going into the show, I, I had worries, not because I don't like Inquisitors. I've I've actually come to really enjoy them. Um, you know flying helicopter blades not so much but uh, i i like i like what they function as and what they do in this Agreed. part of the star wars story the empire needs jedi hunters and the eventually yeah they're the cleanup crew and eventually the emperor and vader are going to wipe them off the board they are means to an end for this time period but they'll be gone by a new hope uh, so they're gonna be seen in live action they come into the show and immediately in the trailers I kind of saw a couple red flags and just design where I was like, these feel a little bit cheesy. Um, the fifth brother uh, uh, and then the grand inquisitor. I was looking at, at, you know, this, this depiction mm-hmm. of the grand inquisitor. And I was like, something about this doesn't feel right. And then they, they roll down the ship, they get out in episode one. And I think immediately they were like mustache twirling villains. And I, and I, is this just like a side effect of being around the force sensitive side of of star wars because one of my buddies and i think you guys all know this about star wars fans there are star wars fans who are like the jedi sith people they they're here for the holy war and the force and then there are the people who are like i'm a bounty hunter i'm yep. here for the bounty hunters and the scoundrels and that's my star wars so those are the mandalorian people and then you have the skywalker story people mm-hmm. and this is in the skywalker story territory yes. and so we're getting 
mustache twirling villains. And it's just, it's just very different. Um, do you think they're handling it well? Inquisitors? It, I think it depends on how Reva's story plays out. And I'll, I'll tell you at the end of the day, <laughs> because she is the only one that is, that is different from that. And she has mm-hmm. her, her moments of it, but she also has her very, she, she has a much broader range as far as you know, what she does with her character. It, the other guys are just, they go from angry to rage and then back down to anger. I will get what I deserve. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but she, she plays a little differently. She plays a little broader, a little, you know, a little more range. Um, my, my theories on that, if we can throw that out there, mm-hmm. are that she is a youngling from that episode, that Order 66 part of the beginning of the first episode. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to work her way up to get close to Vader to take him out. That's what I think is going on there. No inside job uh, here. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, she I, keeps talking about how everything was taken from me. Like she, mm-hmm. she, like most characters who we've seen get involved with the empire from the Republic days, they resent their captors. They are part of the empire, mm-hmm. but they are resentful of the situation that they're in. Um, did anybody play Jedi Fallen Order on uh, the, the latest Star Wars game? Yeah. So you've got one of the, the head inquisitors, her name is Trilla, and she's hunting the Jedi character. And she's deeply traumatized person. She became an inquisitor after her Jedi master under torture, being tortured, sold her out to the empire and told her, you know, gave up her location to the imps. And the empire comes and picks up this young youngling and they torture her too. And they're basically like, your master sold you out. Nobody loves you. Nobody ever cared for you. Uh, Turn to the dark side. And she does. Um, And so you kind of find out by the end of the Jedi Fallen Order story that like this person became an inquisitor because they felt betrayed by the failure of the Jedi order to keep Mm -hmm. them safe. Uh, Clearly this doesn't work. Yeah, that this was a failure and they betrayed Mm -hmm. my my trust as a child. And it seems like Reva is the same character. She's the same kind of person. Her life was taken away from her because the Jedi failed to do their job. And she doesn't she doesn't hate the empire. She hates the Jedi for messing everything up. <laughs> I think, I think you'll see a, a reversal on that though. I really do. And maybe I'm wrong on that. Well, it, I... it will also be interesting though. Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it will also be interesting though, because you know, there's this, this talk and there's not been any official announcement, but there've been rumors that they're, they're going to do a season two. And with that, the rumor goes that they've expunged her death scene at the end of the first season. And so that she will survive into season two. Hmm. Oh, well, that's that's big news if we're not getting if, a mini series. Yeah, yeah, if it's true, but I don't know. It's it's a rumor. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm look. I want all Star Wars to be good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, good to me, good to everybody. I want people to enjoy Star Wars. I know they went into this saying we're making a six part mini series. That's it. So kind of a one shot thing. I can live with that as long as it's a good quality item and I've enjoyed the story so far. I, I do get nervous when they go, oh, it's been so well received. We're going to go ahead and make another one. Are they planning out well enough in advance for that? Because they've, let's face it, they've been planning on a Kenobi movie from for the past six, seven years and they've moved into this, right? So that does make me a little nervous. And, and to throw out more things on Reva, and this wasn't my thought. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I stole it. I was I was listening to people talk about things and I was listening to a podcast and somebody threw out the idea of, and I kind of uh, agree with you, Scott, on where I think Reva's from, but somebody threw out the idea of 
since we don't have Amara Jade in any storylines right now, could Reva be a an Emperor's Hand figure? Meaning she's the only one who said Anakin Skywalker is still alive. The other Inquisitors just call him Lord Vader. She's mm-hmm. the one who said to who who all knows that Anakin's alive besides Ben, the Emperor, right? So yeah. do the other Inquisitors know that because they've not said that. They just call him Lord Vader. This is so, well, this is the thing about that. I mean, she says that to Obi-Wan to to draw a reaction mm-hmm. out of him and to to bait him. But we don't know two things. Uh, how the Inquisitors talk to one another about Vader, which I don't think they do at all. Uh, and we don't know if Vader knows she knows. Uh, <laughs> and that in in and Scott, you would know this from some of your readings, I think, but when people find out in imperial circles who vader really is they die uh he does he (laughs) he does not allow people to know his identity um he kills numerous characters who get too close to him in that way so i don't think vader knows she knows (laughs) Mm. um which I, i think is important and that could be her death sentence by the end of this uh if she's plays too fast and loose with that information you know, there's also, though, with that, uh, Vader, the Emperor is such a, it, it's particularly in the comics, the Emperor is very much a gamesman. Mm-hmm. And he's very much playing, well, just like in episode one, you know, he's always playing different people against each other and he's always manipulating different things. It's very possible he's let her know uh, something like that without telling Vader just to mm-hmm. have somebody on the on the back burner in case something happens to Vader. Sith competition. That's yeah, that's what they that's what it. they do. Um, Sith competition. That's a that's, cheap trick song. Hey, um, <laughs> so D Doc, you you've got the freshest view of 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 this. Um, looking at it coming out, it just you just came out of it. What were your initial thoughts of of this episode four that that we I saw earlier I, this morning? Personally, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it, I mean, we got to see a decent amount of uh, Obi-Wan lightsaber action in it, which I really enjoyed. Um, I thought the aesthetics of, um, oh my God, uh, in, uh, the name of the tower in the middle we'll of the We'll just water. call it Fortress Inquisitorius. Inquisitorius. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Inquisitorius. <laughs> yeah, I remember that from Fallen Order game. Um, yeah. I thought it was awesome. I mean... It, I just enjoy seeing this transition of Ewan McGregor almost into the original trilogy design of the Empire. Seeing his interaction with Stormtroopers, I still kind of pinch myself when I'm watching that because you're used to seeing him standing next to clone troopers. Yeah, yeah. So I I personally overall enjoyed the episode. I mean, I got filled up at the end of it. That's how I know that I was lost uh, emotionally in it. I have a daughter. The moment at the end mm-hmm. it kind of got me all holding her up, hand you know? yeah yeah that's why I, I said to my wife i was grabbing the laptop and i was like i need to take like two minutes i'm pretty uh teary-eyed right now <laughs> i was like i can't go in there with uh you know it was just a special moment and to me that was just like yep this the show is doing its job for me i haven't read internet reaction that's just mine so i enjoyed it who who liked the back to tank scene in the in the beginning and that you know, he was either feeling like connected to Vader as he was also, you know, doing his own healing and meditation and they were kind of feeling one another through the force or he was just sort of working through his his general trauma that he has about Anakin. That was that was a great, uh, a great scene and yeah. that mirror between them both suffering in that way. Um, 
I'm here for that. It was yeah, so that, many wonderful things. That intercut, and it was almost as if that's why Vader dragged him through there in the first place. Kind of, let me give you a little taste mm. of what you gave me. Just a little taste of what you gave me. Totally. Yes, I agree. Um, I don't, do you guys mind if I read someone's message that they sent to me? I, I had a few, well, like I said, I had a handful oh, of you're, messages. You're going to get into the beefing? Oh, I just, just some different okay. ones. So the, let, the first one, read them out. go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I do, I can beef on this episode a little bit. I, um, uh, so, so real quick, I, uh, this okay. one's easy. This one's easy. So Willie Harms, who's just a great follower and, and we got to meet him at the ICCC. He sent me a message and said, how insane is it that the writers did not take the opportunity to put Obi-Wan in a stormtroopers outfit in this episode? Because here he is beating up stormtroopers, doing things to stormtroopers. He could have easily put on a stormtroopers outfit, just like yeah. we've seen Luke, Luke, Han, Kane, and Jarrus. The list goes on. And, and that, well, and for us selfish people, could have made a great Hasbro six-inch <laughs> character of Obi-Wan. And then, and then where, people... Where would he and, have put Leia? <laughs> but then people would have complained have that it was just too heavy-handed of a copy of episode four i mean like the retread. There, there's there's no way to win here and first of all this rescue mission was a retread and i i think i think they could have done better than a retread like this is completely uncharted territory for star wars we did not need to do a reverse echo of of episode four saving leia from a fortress it was just Come on. Uh, he, he even does the thing where he's in the hallway and he does the sound distraction to, yep. to lead the stormtroopers yep. away. It's an oh. episode four callback. Oh. But don't it just would have been. <laughs> don't, forget the, don't forget the 3PO where could he be shot that they, you, of the of the calm link. Of the calm link. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah was, totally. I, I laughed out loud when they did that <laughs> shot because I was like, that is the exact shot in episode four when the yep. uh, when the stormtroopers burst into the room i'm glad you called that i uh so it's just like no you can't win though with with, with people sometimes because if he had done like the stormtrooper thing too people would have taken issue with that in some way and i i get it like there's just kind of no way to win here but that's why i'm in favor of not doing retreads like this and <laughs> you know maybe not doing a jailbreak episode so <laughs> I some of my notes because I was stupid enough to take notes while watching it. Um, one was throwbacks to the prequels with the Nabu breather in the water and yep, then the throwback, yep. throwback to a new hope with the force noise and the communicate or the com link right there. I was like, yep. whoa, I feel like they're merging both trilogies into this, which is, I guess, what they should do. Yep. Um, so you're right. There is no winning. I mean, because even though somebody like me would have been like, oh, that's pretty sweet because now I, you know, maybe hopefully I can have a character next to Han and Luke and, you know, and have the helmet come off and it's Obi-Wan. Um, <laughs> but, but it would have been a very toyetic plot. Yes. Um, here is, so Ryan Massengale, and God love him, Mass has been a co-host on the show many times. Ryan sends me a text before we go on. And I'll just read through, I'll buzz to it, and then I'm going to let you guys just throw down at it because it's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> Kenobi is really well done, but I don't like it. I, it now makes no sense why Leia ha wasn't trained to be a Jedi in A New Hope. She, ha she knows she has Force ability, and she knows Jedi exist, and she has connections with Ben. Anakin has not brought balance to the Force. Now, the Empire has the huge upper hand. The rule of two is out the window. When Vader and the Emperor are dying in Return of the Jedi, you feel like the good guys won. Now it's all torn to bleep because... I could say shit, but I'm not going to. But I just did. Um, you just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, because uh, um, there are Inquisitors all over the place. I really wish they had left the original trilogy 
and begun with completely new characters and stories when the Skywalkers were done. And I there's, read it. I read it. There's so much wrong with that, though. <laughs> I know. I was like, no, no. But I thought you three could have fun with it. Go ahead. So just two things I picked out before before I forget what they were. Um, the first <laughs> thing he mentioned, you know, like saying that this series leads to like Leia should now have been trained as a Jedi because, you know, she knows she's force sensitive. What are you watching? I That doesn't happen. There's I no agree. there's no force sensitivity reference at all in this no. show to Leia's ability. And it's not even displayed. She doesn't she doesn't show force sensitivity. Yeah, she's uh, not so, 11. This is not a thing that happens in the show. Um, The second thing, uh, the thing about the Inquisitors and the rule of two, I I get this complaint and I I do actually understand because I I think it's very, very important that general audience Star Wars fans always feel respected and able to keep up with the canon. When you make Star Wars too complicated, it makes your, your dad's generation of fandom feel like they're not real fans anymore because, because they don't get it. And I, I think that they need to pump the brakes on all things that make people feel like they're behind. And Inquisitors are one of those things mm-hmm. because even the average Star Wars fan knows people who just see the movies one time and then kind of never again, two sit at a time, the rule of two, there's a master and an apprentice. That's kind of common knowledge, but the Inquisitors do not break that rule. And that's important to understand. The Inquisitors are Jedi hunters who are force sensitive, recycled. They are not apprentices to the to Palpatine. They are not apprentices to Vader. In fact, they are used by the emperor to keep Vader on his toes at all times because Vader is expendable and Vader attempts numerous times in this time period to kill Palpatine and and usurp him. Mm -hmm. The Inquisitors are there to remind him, I don't need you. Uh, If you die, Vader, I don't need you because there's other people. (laughs) So the, the rule of two is not broken. Uh, all these inquisitors are jockeying with one another for future apprenticeship. So, but the fact that you have to explain that is the problem that you reference. It's, that's the problem. Um, it's it's yeah. complicated. <laughs> yeah, no, but and and it's a it's it's a very good point. Um, it's the same point. I was having this discussion the other day, and John Jackson Miller got dragged into a Facebook discussion that we were having, and. Uh, because uh, a buddy of mine sent me a note and he, he'd read Kenobi and he's like, why didn't they make this? And, and uh, you know, why did I just learned that they've declared this book legends? How could they have done that? And, and both John Jackson Miller and I jumped in with the exact same point, which was uh, the reason they had to declare everything legends is because when they went to make a movie, the force awakens, they couldn't just say, okay, so we're going to do this movie. And we expect to sell millions and millions and millions of tickets. Well, here's what you got to know. It's 30 years in the future. Chewie's dead. He got hit by a moon. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> had three kids. One of them's already dead. He went to the dark side. Don't worry about that. We're, we're good. We're, we're, we're still rolling here. Oh, and by the way, Luke and Mara Jade, you know who Mara Jade is? All right. Well, let's, you know, you can't do that. And Insane. yeah, yeah the, the EU had gotten to where it was inaccessible to large audiences. And the problem is, uh, and I think social media exacerbates that we think that we are, we're all Pauline Kale, you know, the, the, the apocryphal story of Pauline Kale, where she, you know, declares she doesn't know anybody who voted for Nixon. How could he have won when he won 49 <laughs> States? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, it's, 
we tend to think everybody around us is the world around us and that everybody who thinks like we do that hangs around with us, you know, they're, that's it. And so, you know, all of these people who bought the novels and look, I, I bought the novels. They're there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I recognize also because I look at numbers, I look at data and I know that these books don't sell a million copies each. They don't sell a million copies each. And when you've got a, a movie, you know, like force awakens, I mean, you know, somebody, somebody quickly divide 15 bucks into 2 billion for me. And, you know, that's the number of tickets you're talking about. So it's, it's totally, is a vastly larger audience that you're trying to appeal to. Why would the first thing you do be, oh, by the way, guys, you're not really welcome here, but we're going to tell this story and expect you to come anyway. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very fair point. The, the, other, the other thing I want to hit in that text is she knows the Jedi exist. Did she not know the Jedi exist? I mean, years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. What did she mm -hmm. think the Clone Wars were? I, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't understand that point. She knows the Jedi exist. Clearly, she knows the Jedi exist. And I, and I think looking at it, I think he was discussing when she was showing Force is, or the Force powers was when Reva tells her you're strong or I feel I, I you know I feel some strength or something in you like that that to me that's not showing force ability no. just a strong-willed mm -hmm. person I took yeah I, I took that as we're finally seeing that Leia I was trying yes. to figure out when we were going to see that the imperious Leia you know because in the first couple episodes we saw a little girl Leia who's already a rebel and right. and Leia in episode four to me is she's a rebel but she's still a princess and I wasn't seeing a princess the first couple episodes and then we saw we saw the the princess you know we saw royalty there mm -hmm. you know you're gonna wait on me you're gonna do things my way you're gonna do what i want you to do my father you can't do this to me yeah. i'm a senator's yeah. daughter yeah. yeah that's leia d doc yeah. did you have any thoughts on masses ramblings I'm, i mean i'm sure what i, I love mass too i miss him being <laughs> on here i would love to have he needs to come on i guess as a guest or as his regular host show because i mean he he's so much fun to have on here. well he needs to defend his thesis that. at this point yes exactly but i do think he's probably looking at the scene where reva was trying to intimidate her kylo ren style and um Leia kind of just brushed it off so nonchalantly and Reva's just like oh, you're strong you know like and I guess Mass probably read that as you know how could Leia not know that she's force sensitive if she has this inquisitor trying to tap into her and she's just eating it basically um, I could kind of see that but uh, yeah I don't know this doesn't this, this whole storyline doesn't bother my original <laughs> trilogy storyline at all because mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm fine with it. I, I'm fine with new Star Wars stories. I, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's memories in Star Wars are different, and they they zero in on different things. Um, with with Leia, I, I was in a conversation with one of my best friends in Star Wars fandom, and he was like, "Leia cannot be this close to the Inquisitors and in this much close proximity to Vader. They would sense." you know, her Skywalker blood. And I was like, hey, buddy, do you remember in episode four, the original Star Wars where Vader boards Leia's ship and she mouths off to him in his face? Uh, 
they've been interacting for years. He interrogates her. Yeah, she he interrogates her. And also when they meet in the beginning of episode four, it's not the first time they've met. You can tell from the the tone of their conversations. He's like, oh, it's you again. And he's like, I got you this time, which is like, this is, they have this like long relationship and he can't sense, he can't sense the family blood in her because there's, because your thoughts betray you, your feelings betray you. If she doesn't have thoughts to hide, she doesn't know. So there are some Jedi who have the force echo ability and they have that in the Jedi fallen order game where like you can touch an object and feel its history, but only, only, only a couple of people do that. Uh, Vader's not one of those people. So, you know, it's just people's memories are very selective and I get it. I I forget things all the time. (laughs) Really, He's not even as old as us, Scott. And he forgets stuff all the time. No, I just wow. I forget Star Wars things like really <laughs> obvious stuff all the time, and I I complain, and then someone calls me out. I'm like, oh shoot! I just... <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, there's that. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, Stephen, you were complaining about the not complaining, but you were talking about the Inquisitors and how they they shouldn't be. I say this: if you're going to do it, that's probably the way to do it. Because if you remember in the old EU, we had Dark Jedi. Yep. Who, who mm-hmm. basically are the exact same thing as the Inquisitor. They just called them Dark Jedi. And they were a little more, I mean, first off, to call them Dark Jedi just really, it doesn't do a lot for erasing the legacy of the Jedi erasing from the, the galaxy. Jedi. Yeah. What they're right. supposed to be doing. Uh, so, I mean, if you're going to do it, I think they're on a better path now with that than they were originally. Yeah. Did you play the Jedi Academy games? Kyle Katarn and all that stuff. I played, yeah. I played Dark Forces and I read, yeah. I read the, uh, the well, the Bill Dietz books, you know, he did those uh, those three yeah. graphic story albums, I guess you yeah. would call them. We've we've always had this precedent for you know acolytes within the empire, dark side cultists and worshippers, and they've just formalized it and condensed like all of that really nebulous '90s and 2000s canon <laughs> into something pretty darn tangible. Um, yep. And they're going to be wiped out here uh, in the next couple of years in the timeline. So and that's I- okay. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but one of the things I was nervous about with the Disney takeover and, and going this direction with all these new things we're bringing out was that some of the better, some of the really cool parts of the EU would never be seen or heard from again. But I think slowly but surely, I feel like they're wrapping in the greatest hits of these things. I mean, Thrawn, for example, and, and you know, different things like that that they're, they're bringing those back in through Disney, but in a format that fits with the stories they're trying to tell. And, and we see it all the time, little touch points of either characters or storylines or ships or planets that, that were in the EU were like, ah, oh, man, that's, that's gone, right? That's completely gone. But I, I feel like, is it just me? Or, or do you guys feel, get the same feeling that they're taking some of the better things? Maybe they're tweaking them a little bit, but, but I feel like they're bringing that stuff back in now because, you know, as Kathleen Kennedy said a long time ago, we don't have we don't have years of books and comics and things to look mm-hmm. at to build these stories. Well, you, you kind of did. And all you have to yeah. do is pick through the ones that were the best ones. But I, I do start seeing those, especially in the Kenobi series, you know, in, in some of the other things that they've done in you know Rebels and all that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never made friends in fandom by saying this. Uh, it's something I go into in the conclusion of my book, how the force can fix the world a little bit, uh, which is that no one can take anything away from you um, that you are not willing to give up. And 
when it comes to people's love of old Star Wars stories, when it comes to canon, when it comes to the Phantom Menace, and I remember older fans around me, you know, talking about how George Lucas raped my childhood and stuff like that. You can't, no one can take things away from you that you guard in your heart and that you you love. It's not gone uh, unless you light fire to it. Uh, I just really, really reject that point of view. And I think it goes to a societal sickness. And, and I think you see this particularly uh, with young progressives today is the need to have every feeling and view that they have validated at all times. Oh. I, I cannot be happy in my existence and my feelings are not being respected unless you validate the way that I'm interpreting a situation. And that rears its head in this space as well, that unless storytellers validate things that you feel and stories from your past, then it's gone. Uh, it's just not true. Uh, all of these stories are like part of me and they mm -hmm. are in my heart, but they're not gone. I just, I just think canon is just it's more important <laughs> in a sense. You got to have order in the universe. I, before Scott or D-Doc jumps in, I just got to say, you know, I, I have a daughter who's 19, getting ready to be 20. The word validate has become almost, I, I look, I understand. I want to be there and, and, and support anybody who's going through any kind of trouble or issue and all that. But if it's the validate that you just like oat milk in your coffee compared to almond milk in your coffee, I mean, it's just validate has become kind of a four letter word in my house. So I, I get it. When you said that word, I was like, oh gosh, just hearing that it makes, <laughs> I'm just starting to realize that, you know, that, that kind of is out there in society, right? Scott, now. you looked like you had feels about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're all, we're all kind of veer off from you here is mm -hmm. because I was an EU guy and I understood, I mean, the night, that we found out that Disney had bought Star Wars. The first thing I said to the friends I was with, I said, there goes the EU, it's gone. Mm -hmm. It's going to go away. And they said, why? And I said, again, what I said earlier, which was they're not going to expect everybody to know all this stuff when they make a new movie. But, but I think what, what bothers you is, you know, it's kind of like you have a dog and the dog dies and you're sad that the dog died and people go, well, don't worry about it. You remember him. You got all your yeah. memories of him. You got old <laughs> pictures of him. Yeah, but he's still, mm -hmm. he's still gone and nothing new will ever happen with him again. Cause he's dead. Um, so I, it, a lot of it is you want, you're a part of this story. You're invested in the story. And then the story was immediately brought to a screeching halt. And it's not so much that the old stories are gone that people are upset about. It's the fact that 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 story will not continue in the way that it had continued. Um, mm -hmm. It's why for me, I mean, I, I had to deal with it a long time ago because when they first launched EU, they were just, they were making a joke out of a little Marvel Star Wars, which was my, you know, that mm -hmm. and the Brian Daly trilogy or my Star Wars. And uh, so I early on had to go, all right, yeah, I get it. You guys don't think. And eventually they integrated all that stuff back into canon that, you know, all of it that worked anyway. And so, uh, I, you know, I, I went along with the flow because I just realized at this point, head canon is important. You're not going to tell me that Vader and Valance the Hunter didn't have mm. uh, a big fight over a river or lake of acid while they were trying to get to that one guy who fled Yavin, you know, during the Death Star thing. That's, mm. I'm sorry, that happened for me because that's one of my stories. I love it. Um, you know, you're, and, and it's, uh, so, I mean, I get why people are upset. Now, would I ever spend a dime on a billboard to bring something back? <laughs> Like <laughs> no, because it's because Disney's not here to feed your fantasies per se. They're here to make money. Yeah. 
and and you know they have to kind of blend how dare magic. you say that i know i know <laughs> they have to blend the magic with with the ability to actually make the stockholders happy of which i used to be one you know um, i i just see like so many ways in in which you know like like you mentioned uh nick you know they they've put a lot of stuff back into the to the main vein of star wars i, I think the the top two of course are, are thrawn and then dark troopers uh which we see in the mandalorian like these are the things that very much defined my experience with the eu was was dark trooper themed video games and having to fight them both as like kyle katarn and <laughs> all this stuff like that was just a huge part of it um i am one of those people who i will throw up my hands and admit i i didn't read the EU books. I didn't. I, I grew up in the prequel era. I grew up on the Jedi Apprentice books. Yep. I grew up on the the legends that Qui-Gon Jinn had an apprentice before Obi-Wan named Exanatos. Mm -hmm. And Exanatos uh, came from a rich, opulent, wealthy family and eventually went to go back and join them. And he became a, a political terrorist and a dark Jedi. And he bombs the Jedi Temple, kills this kid named Bruck, uh, who was like the bully in the Jedi Temple who always harassed Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then he eventually kills himself in front of Qui-Gon Jinn just to haunt him, just to haunt him for the rest of his days. Exanatos is still real to me yeah. like gotta, you, yeah. you he is he is still real you know, uh, I, and yeah oh, I, I get it I, I get it yeah i i totally yeah. get it but by the way uh on eu stuff i spent the weekend hanging out with timothy zahn um so, cool. so i i was at awesome con in dc i was tabling for how the force can fix the world and we shared a table ah, <laughs> it was nice i i get to my table in the morning on the conference room floor and I set up and then I look at the table next to me, you know, that I'm connected to and I lift up the, the tarp and it's all Thrawn books. And I went, no. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we, you know, 10 hours oh. sitting, sitting next to each other. I try not to talk to him too much because I don't yeah. want to be, I don't want to be weird, but I was going to say a lot of us, he'd be running after the first yeah, couple hours. Got a, got, got to talk enough. And I, it was really, it was really cool. Was awesome. <laughs> I got a chance to meet him at IEEE. Um, D Doc was going to be there, but his baby was on the way and he couldn't make it with us. But we had a, a table there in a booth and we turned the corner and there's Timothy Zahn. And I didn't have a Zahn book with me, although I have them all right here. And so I just went to a table and I was like, um, buying that one here, Mr. Zahn. And he was as nice as could be. You're right. He he talked to all of us who were there, took pictures with us, signed things great guy and he was just yeah. very open to talk about anything he was very very patient and he, he spoke to people all day with kindness and patience it was it was very cool i um i got got two books from him while i was there because i wanted my my daughter's uh copies because i do audiobooks and she wants to read the thrawn books herself the the new thrawn books so uh got to do those but i did learn a hard lesson which is that when you're selling a star wars non-fiction book connected to timothy zahn's table good luck <laughs> it was i when i got in in the morning i thought i was going to have the best day of sales of my life wrong worst uh, uh, <laughs> it was it was a miserable uh conferencing selling experience but it was a very novel experience so it was pretty cool, cool. <laughs> that's uh you know when we were at celebration seven in orlando in 17 uh we stood in line because you know you guys know the story i've told it on this podcast before about uh uh, my, I bought two copies of Heir to the Empire when it first came out, kind of by mistake, and I had one mm -hmm. that I'd never touched, never read, 
you know, I wrapped the dust jacket in, in Mylar and, and I brought that to him at Star Wars Celebration Orlando, which he had to show off to everybody. Cause I mean, it's immaculate. It had never been opened and I got him to sign that. And then, you know, after we sat and we chatted about it and he showed everybody the book and told all these stories about the origin of the book. And then Delilah Dawson was next to him. And she literally, as I stepped away from him, she literally looked at me and went, do you want my autograph? Oh. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course I do. I mean, but I guess that was kind of how she, how her day was going being yeah. right next to him. Yeah. Nope. I get it completely. Being at cons, if you're at a table, Steven, you're exactly right. We were, we were at a table. We had all kinds of rule of the galaxy gear with us, but they put us in a room where no one was buying things. They put us in the <laughs> podcast room. So we had all this gear and the only people in there were the podcasters. So we were like, well, great. There's, you know, a bunch <laughs> of shirts and hats sitting on our table. Um, Steven, I do know you, you had mentioned you need to break out. I, if you need to go, let us know. And, and yeah, home, home stretch for me here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so D doc, you, you didn't really grow up with the EU either, right? You were more the prequels and then what's going on today. Right. So being a part of our podcast has been playing catch up with a lot of these crazy things that we're rambling about. Yeah. And I mean, I'm an audiobook uh, person as well. And the Plagueis one is the one that hit me the most so far, as far mm -hmm. as uh, uh, EU. I mean, I just thought <clears throat> that was incredible. And that was just one of the first Star Wars books where I'm just like, they have to make a, just a movie that tells that story alone, because it would be incredible. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a pretty dark story, too, with what happens with, you know, Sidious and everything. And what he does to his own family and it, it's incredible honestly like i i think see i'm such a huge game of thrones book fan that i felt like that was the first star wars book that tapped into a different level of darkness as far as the sith go and like i'm not like the most dark person but i like hearing about <laughs> it in books you know and that was incredible i mean it's funny because like, as we're on the topic, I, I, I got to suggest a YouTube video to watch that this guy created um, that I happened to watch last night. It's called Star Wars Rebels, A Prophecy of Hope. It's a one hour show that this guy made on his YouTube about the creation of Rebels and Clone Wars being stopped. And it reminds me, you know, as we're talking about fandom and EU and what fans want to be in Star Wars and what not to be, it was about Filoni and everybody transitioning from Disney saying, all right, Clone Wars is stopped. We need a new show. We want to go back to the original trilogy now. Here's Rebels. You need to create this. You have X amount of time. Go. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's like and, a documentary. And apparently X um, amount of money as well. Yeah. It's a lot and, cheaper looking and, show. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They get into so much detail about why they did that and how they decided to say, I, I know I'm changing topic right now. But that I sounds really cool. This. Is it like sourced and researched properly? Like this guy, I, I got I to gotta look at his name because I took a picture of. I know um, I'm going to watch it. His name yeah. is Artur, A-R-T-O-R-R. -R. It was sounds it's legit. well produced. It's well produced. Um <laughs> very well produced but um he uh he was saying that because i watch rebels and i'm like this looks so different than clone wars and it came after it i don't understand well number one like <laughs> scott said budget was lower 
too, they said they wanted to go back to Ralph McQuarrie's designs, how they had thinner lightsabers, shorter wings and, on the ties. Yeah. Yeah. They even talked about how the fact that they wanted to go back to the original trilogy, a lot of shots and rebels come from almost as if the camera's on a tripod filming the scenes. And they just pointed out so much because I'm in the process of watching Rebels. I didn't watch this whole thing because I am halfway through the third season of Rebels right now. It's the only piece of Star Wars I haven't watched. So I yeah. stopped myself because I, I know things that happen in the show, <laughs> but I didn't want to spoil it by seeing it. I've heard what happens in the show. I wanted which, to talk about that. Which which maybe should bring us to the Grand Inquisitor, which is probably like chief among my gripes uh yeah. with my with my fellow fans who know better than this and i cannot escape all of these memes all over facebook and twitter of people being angry about disney being like you know uh you think you you like the grand inquisitor and rebels you know no we're gonna run them through just so we can <laughs> elevate this this you know character and moses ingram like guys the canon's canon, all right? Disney's invested in this. Disney's invested very much in Rebels. Rebels mm -hmm. is the foundation of Ahsoka. The Grand Inquisitor is not dead. He is no. <laughs> he is somewhere nursing Absolutely. his wound. So like, I just, people's bitterness just overrides oh. their ability to think clearly on some of this stuff. It, just because it's, it gets, it's when yeah. you want to, you know, I, it's, yeah. you know what I call that? And I know this is probably going to set somebody off somewhere. You know what I call that? I call that picking the fridge. Because when <laughs> Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. when, <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. When Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out, everybody had to go after a nuke in the fridge. Everybody had to go after it. And it's like, guys, it's supposed to be a 1950s uh, sci-fi movie. If they'd made the movie, then that would have been a thing that was in it. Uh, mm -hmm. You have just gone through three previous movies where a guy drinks from a cup and immediately ages a hundred years and falls into dust. Right. Um, in last crusade, there is a shot where Indy is out on that, on the tank and there's a gun sticking out and somehow he tries to drop down and can't because in a way that is physically impossible, his, his, uh, his, his man bag. purse yeah. has gotten wrapped around the can't. It's not physically possible. Nobody stood up and went, well, this movie sucks because he could not have gotten that wrapped around the tank like that. Uh, yeah. God smites everybody who's a Nazi. Indy in the drinks the film. blood and actually goes uh, crazy in Temple of Doom. Like yeah, his guy, guy gets his heart ripped out. And Temple still is screaming. Yeah, and still screaming. <laughs> and we sat through all of that, but then the fridge makes this the worst movie ever made. Yeah, and, and it gets is, recycled is, over and yeah, over again. And the the and criticism. Yes, and that's the thing is you, you enter the echo chamber and you have to hate this movie. So let's find that thing that we can all hate about it. And, yeah. and it doesn't make any sense to ignore everything else and then settle on this one thing that we've got to hate because just because we want to hate something and that's all Which it is, is now it's laser gate with Obi-Wan it's laser right. gate in episode oh. three and it's him wearing a cloak. Like if I have to hear from one more person about how he looks like a Jedi wandering on the streets, I get it. I get it. He looked like a Jedi in episode four, wandering into Moss Eisley with Luke Skywalker. Oh, <laughs> that or we have to hear that the writers didn't know that Padme was Leia's mother. And how does Obi-Wan not know that when he said, oh, how I wish I was your father? I mean, people were complaining about that one line when yeah. he was basically just saying, 
you're such a great kid. You're a great yes. kid. It, I yes. mean, learn how they're explaining it's, it there. It's, it's yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it's been unbearable. And I don't <laughs> know if it's strictly just because of some Star Wars accounts that I'm a fan of who are quote tweeting people who have five followers and are just making dumb statements. That's that's what's been frustrating to me over the last two, uh, ever since this show has started, my Star Wars Twitter feed has just been in shambles. And it's like, I like to scroll through Twitter and read people's opinions and stuff like that. But it's like, stop giving people, like, stop giving them a stage mm -hmm. for stupid takes on certain things. It's like, I mean... I thought the laser gate thing too. It was funny, but I mean, you know, even sometimes Han Solo would just be like, screw it and blast the freaking, you know, uh, control but, panel just to get a door open. That's this like is, this is I why know. I think this is why personal responsibility plays a, a big part in managing your own happiness. Because yep. when, when I am, you know, trying to enjoy my life, uh, I actually do unfollow people who don't bring value to my feed. Uh, I unfollow people I well. who actually stink things up uh, because I am here to have a good time. And I'm not just talking about Star Wars. I'm talking about my existence. Uh, <laughs> and right, now, so, you know, now I got to check and see if Steven's unfollowed me. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just like there's, and this is this is a, another reason, and this will be my parting thought of why you should buy How the Force Can Fix the World, uh, because because How the Force Can Fix the World is like my testament to like Star Wars virtues for how you should actually live your life on a day to day basis, taking tips from Star Wars into actionable life advice, and some of those things such as you know like I'm angry all the time. Well, have you considered like figuring out like what are you intaking by choice versus, um, you know, things that are outside of your control? You have to deal with your boss, your brother, uh, the, the woman you married. That was that was all you. Uh, but, uh, you know, the people who you follow on Twitter, you don't have to follow these people and you don't Thank have you. to you don't have to get on and be angry uh, that people are unhappy. The only people left uh, for my Star Wars fandom Twitter feed the people who are like kind of always going, yay, <laughs> because, oh, because, and, and they're, they're uncritical. I think sometimes when they should maybe put on their thinking caps, uh, but I'm here to have a good time. So guys, may the hey. force be with you. Thanks for being uh, on and everybody thank you for having me go read his book. It's a great book. I know I've read it. Scott's read it. I'll let DDoc have my copy. He can read it, I guess. Or we can and get if it you're, by one. If you're an audio book guy, to the audio book, I was going to say, if you're an audio book guy, it was yeah, incredible. If you're an audiobook guy like Steven, Steven did the audiobook. So yes, he did. Oh, I painted my house mute. listening to it. You're mute, Steven. But anyway, hey, see you later. He was out. He was mute. Yeah. Let, let you know what? Before we head, let's just yeah. let I I put down a bunch of notes on this episode, and I just want okay. to touch on the because a couple okay. of them were really because cool. I got a, I got a beef on this episode. So yeah, do it. So so one, we finally get to see O'Shea Jackson as Roken. He's great. Uh, he yep. The role is great. The, the I thought he was great. terrific. Uh, to hear that he had a wife who had Jedi sensitivities, and that's why mm -hmm. the Inquisitors. I thought great storyline. Yep. Um, I I like this secret network called the Path. I'm I'm kind of digging this. I want to know more about it. Yep. Um, I again, like I said in my notes, I kept saying, "Man, that felt like a Rogue One scene. That felt like an Episode Four scene. That felt like a, a prequel scene." So I I kind of like it because I feel like. They're trying to make everybody who likes maybe one of those things see something that speaks to them. Um, but we get to we get to the end. Um, 
and yes, spoilers for everyone. You know, if you're listening to us, you should have already watched Kenobi. Um, yes. But um, gosh, to see those Jedi's in tombs in the bottom of Inquisitor, the Fortress Inquisitoris, um, was Plo Koon in there? Did I see Plo Koon in, in one of them? Did I you? could have sworn he was one of the first ones on the right. Hmm. Um, I thought they showed him as a peripheral view yes. right when he walked in. Yep. Right when he walked in, right away, I'm just like, oh my God, that's Plo Koon. I, I, that's... It, it, it reminded me of like Jurassic Park with the little mosquito, you know? Yeah, and, yes. Amber. Yeah. And, and then we had a youngling in there. We had also Tara Sinubi, Sinube and Coleman Kaj. Trebor? Oh. Col Maybe it was Coleman Trebor. Uh, I thought no, he's a pilot. It's, it's Never Coleman, mind. Coleman a pilot. Kodge, which is Jack Coleman or Jack something backwards. I don't know. But Alfie, Book of Alfie sent me those. But um, but I just thought that was such a cool scene to see that what is it they're doing? Because we saw in a previous episode where they had young lean helmets and lightsabers in a case behind where the Inquisitors were talking. And now we have these tombs, encased tombs of Jedi down at the bottom of this place so those are just some things that stood out to me yeah so go ahead scott uh the action was weird in this episode and i don't know if anybody else got that or not but it was just like there's the scene where obi-wan's walking down the hall and he's got the seeker droid on the one side and behind him he's got the stormtroopers and he's literally he'll turn around and they'll shoot at him and he'll mm -hmm. block them and then he'll turn back around and they'll wait for him to address <laughs> the seeker Right. And then he'll turn back around and they'll try to kill him again. And the seeker will wait while he addresses the story. And I just thought there was a lot of that going on in the action. I didn't get it when they're trying to escape and they're in the, uh, the, the, the docking bay and the the alarms are going off and everything and there's stormtroopers and every, everybody's everywhere with these alarms going off, but nobody's running. Everybody's walking everywhere. Hmm. And I'm going, dude, the alarms are going off. Why aren't you? So I, it was like, uh, there was a lot I enjoyed about the episode, but I did have a beef with just the way the action flowed was odd to me. It just, it was almost like they didn't have time to block it. You know, they, we didn't, mm -hmm. you know, how they block action out and say, okay, this is going to happen here, you know, essentially choreography, but not even, not even that intense blocking, you know, where an actor is going to be at any moment. Um, and, and it just didn't feel like they had spent a lot of time doing that on this show and it really kind of it, it really kind of took me out of it a few times uh fortunately the production design was so great so mm -hmm. episode four it 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 brought me back into it but a lot of times the action just really pushed me out of the show i i feel like that goes back to ddocs earlier mentioned sometimes it looks a little tv-ish like mm -hmm. just hey we get some standing uh you know extras over here right mm -hmm. like instead of they're in action doing what you're talking about so yeah i, I don't know i mean there's so much look I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, mm -hmm. I love him to death. And I'm so excited we have this show. So yes. we'll nitpick these little things. Yes. I, I love the where it's going. I'm, I'm well, I didn't happy say, with I didn't it. Say so. it. I didn't say it raped my childhood. I just, <laughs> just, I just I, it, it was, it was disconcerting to watch the sure. action done in a way that just didn't seem up to the standard that had been set for the show to this point. Does that make sense? Yeah. Go ahead, D Doc. What what is a uh, what is Krennic's line when everything is blowing up on Scarif? Um, <laughs> when he looks at everyone and is just Don't like, you "Well, see it? yeah, yeah." <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. What what Scott was talking about, you know, like, "Let's go, all right," yeah. you know. But um, 
yeah, I, I don't give you, I, I really enjoyed that episode actually, which I don't, you know, I don't know reaction to it yet, but I, I thought exact same thing in the hallway. I thought it was a little bit of slow moving, like, Hey, you shoot at me. I'll block it like real yeah. quick. I don't know. Like I, I did kind of feel that. I think one thing that has helped and hurt star Wars is we can see how incredible a lightsaber battle can be with next gen technology yeah when we true. had that darth vader hallway scene when we've had the luke <laughs> skywalker scene you know you want to see you and mcgregor do that scene you know you want to see him have his moment which still might, might come in yeah show, still might you know right mm -hmm. but you know i don't know when it comes to budget i'm like this is star wars this is like <laughs> this is like top this is like one of the biggest things in filmmaking. And that's what I can't wrap my head around. It's like, if my buddy asked me, like, if you had one complaint about it, what would it be? I would just say, I can tell it's a, a, a TV set sometimes and that it just doesn't look like a movie. I wish it looked like a movie sometimes. And that's like my one yep. complaint I would have because I'm yep. watching Stranger Things and don't get me wrong, Stranger Things is huge, but Star Wars is huge. So that's why I'm like, this is... Obi-Wan Kenobi, this is a huge show. I don't understand why sometimes it looks like a TV show. That's what I'll say. I don't no, know that's very what fair. goes into that production. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I tell you what, we've hit a little bit of everything, and we've gone a little extra because I know, Scott, you you have to get up early, so I want to make sure you get some sleepy night-night time. I any, appreciate that. Any, any closing thoughts from you? I know we covered a ton of stuff. Stephen was great. Um, is there anything on your mind fresh that we haven't talked about that you want to hit? before we break camp here. No, I, I just want to say thank you. I, I always thank you for inviting me on. <laughs> I love being on with you. You know that. Um, and and thank you for putting Stephen and me together because I've known Stephen for a few years uh, and we've we've interacted on Twitter and we've swapped emails. And when he was uh, with a company that, mm -hmm. that was booking guests on talk shows, I, I would book guests. I don't book guests in all honesty. I like to go and talk for three hours. <laughs> and I don't, I don't do guests, but when Steven would come with a guest, I would say, all right, if Steven's coming to me with a guest, I'm going to take his guest. Um, because it's, I know it's going to be interesting and it's going to be important. And, and, uh, and I met, I had a lot of good guests because of that, but normally I don't do a lot of guests. Uh, so St Steven and I have interacted that way. We've never had an actual physical conversation. Like we've never been on the same broadcast or podcast together. So I, I appreciate you doing that because Steven's a good guy. Well, you know, I, I, I usually tag you in with those two crazy ones of Adam and, and, and Glosson, Adam Bray and Steve <laughs> Glosson. And, and I thought, you know, you and I had discussed that before, how you, you enjoyed what Steven did. And I thought, yeah, well, let's make this happen and, and, and see how it goes. And I thought you two really rocked it. So I, yeah, I, I, appreciate I enjoy it. Steven. Yeah. Well, well, good. Well, good. We, we enjoy having you here. So you saying thanks to us is crazy because we, we thank you very much for always coming on and, and sharing your wealth and knowledge and, Every time I talk to you, it makes me want to go back and read my Marvel uh, Star Wars comics again, because those are some that's like you. I grew up with that. You know, those three yeah. years between movies, that was my life for those comic books right there in the Han Solo trilogy and things like that. So, yes. Um, so, yeah. So thank you again. We will we will have you on again very soon. And I'll probably Deal. tag you in with those other knuckleheads and uh, let you get them all worked up because you do that sometimes. I like to do that. Yes. <laughs> Yes. D, D Doc, how about you? Any closing thoughts? Yes, my dog did start barking, so hopefully you can't hear it in the uh, mic. But um, if there's one thing I love more than Star Wars, it's building Star Wars stuff. And I've been watching Scott's, 
I've been watching Scott's background be built behind him on Twitter for a while. And this is the first podcast that he's been our guest where I have mm -hmm. seen the completed project for our YouTube watchers. You must look at it because <laughs> that is freaking impressive, man. It, it really is an awesome display. It's perfect. Thank you, sir. I got to say. Uh, it is, as I said earlier, and you, I guess you weren't there for that, but my wife basically said, I just actually think before we went on, uh, my wife basically said, when you redo the room, you need to do it exactly how you want it. And, uh, and she wouldn't let me mm -hmm. settle for anything. So, you know, and she bought me the desk and she bought the mic and she bought the mixer and, you know, we picked out this stuff together and then I got crazy with the tape lights and the LEDs. <laughs> and so I can, you know, uh, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's next for us, D-Doc. We'll, we'll do that soon enough. Now that we've learned. I know. Well, that's why I set up my background with old floating shelves I had from my old house. <laughs> and I'm not happy with it because I love building stuff. And I'm mm. like, you know, it is cool. Don't get me wrong. But yours is freaking awesome. Like, so it's, it's I, been a fun I, adventure. I love your display boxes with the Kenner um, oh, yeah. card pieces on the background and just all that stuff. So I had to comment on that while you're on the show. It's awesome. I appreciate and that, man. If you're listening, guys, you should definitely check it out. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. And this is coming Thanks, from sir. a guy who knows how to build stuff because that this That's guy right true. here, D-Doc, knows what he's doing. Okay. Yep. So Thursday is my birthday. I received my first birthday gift. It is from my mother who <laughs> for every birthday for the past probably 30 years has gotten me something r2d2 related that is a big coffee mug right there you are too awesome thank you mom um thanks dad both of you and then uh some garage sailing the other day uh i love going to garage sales because you never know what you're going to find but yep. it's cool to see your name of your podcast on <laughs> a glass rule the galaxy with kylo ren right there cool. uh that will be staying right here and not get any drinks in it because it's too cool to have right there so. yeah, that's a pint glass yep nice, nice little pint See, i don't know bar yeah, bar words i had to learn that yeah oh, i don't drink so i don't know but it's, <laughs> yes it's a pint glass um gotcha. anyway you guys are, you guys are the best you guys rock um brent alfie uh nick shesky they all had tons of stuff going on tonight so i get it alfie's got to be up at work at like 1 a.m um next week again we will have um Jessica, the Duchess of Dark Saber Light, leading the show. Uh, Okairo, right? Or Okiro? Okairo, right? Yep, Okairo. Okairo. He will be on the show. The regular co-host will be with with them. It's going to be a great. It's going to be a banger. It's going to be lit. I can tell you that. Um, and you know, as always, follow us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter. Rule at Rule the Galaxy SW on Instagram. Rule the Galaxy podcast on TikTok, which is blowing up thanks to DDoc. Just Rule the Galaxy on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want any of our cool Rule the Galaxy gear with that logo, if you're watching on YouTube, shirts, hats, sweatshirts, go to Etsy.com, type in Rule the Galaxy, all caps, all one word, no spaces, Rule the Galaxy, buy that stuff there. Thanks to these guys. Thanks to Stephen Kent. And until next week, may the force be with you.